Area 941 podcast are produced and distributed by Community Powered 94.1 KPFA Radio. Please help support Area 941 at kpfa.org. I'm Richard Walensky. This is KPFA's Bay Area Theater podcast, featuring stage reviews, along with extended versions of interviews heard on Arts Waves on Cover to Cover. Tom Allen Robbins portrayed Pumbaa the Warthog on Broadway for 13 years in The Lion King. At present, he plays Demetus, the King's servant, in Head Over Heels at the Curran, which runs through May 6, 2018, and then in June starts on Broadway. He also performed in the original cast of Sunset Boulevard, Jerome Robbins' Broadway, and other shows. I had a chance to speak with Tom Allen Robbins during press day for Head Over Heels. Tom Allen Robbins, you said this is your second show with Michael Mayer. Yes. What was the first? The first was an off-Broadway musical called Brooklynite, which was at the Vineyard Theater in New York City, and it was a wonderful show. It was a show that was actually based on an actual place it's a store that sells superhero products to support kids' programs. And the producer saw the store and said, I want to make a show about this. And Michael put together a group, a wonderful composer and a book writer, and they created a beautiful musical that we did. Was that pretty early on in his career before the Broadway? No, no. Michael has been doing fantastic work for a long, long time. He's did Spring Awakening yeah. on Broadway. I mean, if you look up Michael Mayer, Hedwig and the Angry Inch is him. He's created so many wonderful shows over the years. What drew you to this? Just your agent saying this would be perfect. <laughs> well, actually, it was Michael that drew me to it. Oh, really? I loved working with him so much. He was going to do a reading of it. The original production of it was in Ashland, Oregon at the Shakespeare Festival there. And then they brought Michael on board, and he was going to do a reading of it. And he called me up and said, do you want to do this? And I'll do anything for Michael. And once we did the reading, it was so fantastic. I said, oh, my God, I hope I can continue with this. And I've been lucky enough to hang on through the readings and workshops that we've done since. And here we are. Michael's shows and movies have had a political tinge, particularly gay rights tinge. And I understand there's a transgender actor in this? There is. Her name is Peppermint, and uh, people will know her from RuPaul's Drag Race. She's so talented, and she's been performing for, for many years all over the country and is actually doing some shows uh, here in town on her own after hours. I don't know where she gets the energy, but people, <laughs> if people want to turn out and see her, they can go to her show. Let's go back to head over heels. So he contacts you, you go, you see it. Did you see it in Ashland at that point? I did not. So the only person that is still involved from Ashland is Bonnie, who plays one of the leading roles, one of the princesses. Bonnie Milligan has been with it all along. You were in The Lion King. I was the original Pumbaa in The Lion King on Broadway, and I did it for 13 years. How do you stay fresh after 13 years? That's the hardest thing about it. What I discovered was, stop me if I go on too long, because I'm really interested in the whole process of this, because doing an incredibly long run like that was so educational for me. I've discovered that as an actor, like most actors, I have a bag of tricks, and the adrenaline of performing in a show you know, gets you through a lot. 
But when you're in a very, very long run, all those things wear out. Your adrenaline goes away. Your tricks get worn out. And all you're left with is listening to the other actors on stage in a really present and active way and responding honestly, going on stage without preconceptions, playing tricks with your mind to fool yourself into believing that none of this has happened before and really listening moment to moment. And when I discovered that, it got me through the rest of that long run and it changed me as an actor. I'm a very different actor now than I was when I started. Why? Because I had a problem, and I don't think I'm alone in this, I had a problem with really listening on stage. I was always thinking ahead to what came next. I was always trying to recreate something I did the night before. I was always trying to make my lines sound a certain way. And those are the things I refer to as, as artificial tricks, things like that. But when I learned to really be present, not think about previous performances, not think about the next moment, not think about tomorrow, it became a, a much simpler thing to go out on stage and act. And I think it, it made me a better actor. When you're doing it that long, I mean, there's certain things you have to do on stage each night mm -hmm. because people expect that. So how much variance is there in your role? There's a surprising amount of variance that an actor feels within his own performance that an audience might not be so aware of. And for any actor, doing a performance for an audience is always unique because every audience is different and all the reactions are always different. But I find that, again, unlike my young self who would say the same line exactly the same way at every show, I find that if you really listen and talk honestly, a line can be delivered a little differently. Not so differently than an audience say, what the heck is he saying? But that you're talking honestly and the other person can really hear what you're saying. After all that time, do you go up on your lines more or less than earlier? <laughs> Surprisingly enough, it can happen more. Really? Um, it, it sort of enters a different part of your brain. And instead of <laughs> operating on a, a really sort of active memory of word to word and line to line. It's like you get so used to expecting the line to be there when the cue comes to you that every now and then your brain just clicks to the side one step and the line isn't where you expect it to be. And you're like, I'm not sure what I say here. And thank God for other actors because they'll always save you. But it does happen. Lee Grant stopped acting on stage when she went off on one show, and I think she was playing with Peter Falk. She wasn't picked up, and that was the end for her. Yeah. It's a terrifying feeling, and actually there are some very wonderful, respected actors who have reached an age where I know some of them who actually wear an earpiece so that lines can be fed to them if they, if they need them. But a lot of people, when they get to that point, it becomes too terrifying, and they say, it's time for me to retire. This particular show, Head Over Heels, how large is your role? I would say my role is medium large. I'm not one of the, the main leads, but I love my part. It's very integral to the story, and I have some lovely moments and some lovely little scenes. I'm very happy with it. Did you read Arcadia before you went in? I will be honest with you. I tried to read Arcadia. It is 
a very difficult piece to read. And the bare bones of the story were used in crafting our piece. But if you were to read Arcadia, I don't know that you would necessarily recognize Head Over Heels in it. Well, what happened is I went to Wikipedia and I began reading the plot and about the fourth sentence I gave up. Yeah. In something like this, I mean, is it completely jukebox? No, I would never use the word jukebox. Here's the great thing about this show. The word jukebox musical has come to mean a certain kind of musical on Broadway where you take the whole catalog of an artist. What this is, is someone has crafted a story based on a, a piece, Arcadia, and has gone through the lyrics of the Go-Go's music and in an uncanny way has managed to make those lyrics and those songs fit what is happening in the scenes of our play so perfectly that you would think that the Go-Go's wrote them all for the show. It's really a little uncanny. And we managed to get almost all of their big hits in there and some lesser-known pieces, too, that just work beautifully. And then... Tom Kitt, who is a genius, has orchestrated these songs in a way that the Go-Go's, you know, they were basically drum, guitar, bass, keyboards. The way he has orchestrated it, each song has taken on, it still sounds like the Go-Go's songs, but it's got a personality and an emotional content just from the way he orchestrated it that is amazing. And I I, I can't wait for you to see it because it's... It's really beautiful. Is there political content? Because I know that a lot of these plays that he's worked on have that political content. It does have political content in the sense that, and this is something we discovered in the course of developing the piece, is that the root of what we feel we're trying to say with this piece is that society has to be constantly in motion. Once you freeze a society... Injustice just starts to creep in, and you are no longer being responsive to the needs of people because people's needs are always changing. So what we're saying is that society has to always be looking to improve itself, to become more inclusive, to become more accepting, to allow people to be themselves and for all of us to be able to discover the best person that we are. So if there's a political message in this play, that's what it is. Do you like working on musicals more than straight plays? Does it make a difference for you? In general, I do not. This is an exception because this is such a rich and complex piece. And the, the, the scenes actually are wonderful acting scenes. That's not necessarily true of a lot of musicals. And I actually love a play where you can really dig into to the ideas of it and where the whole point of it is the interaction between you and the other characters. To me, that's a much richer opportunity as an actor. Musicals are wonderful and they're fun, but they do tend to to emphasize the music and the dancing and the spectacle, and sometimes that doesn't give an opportunity for as much introspection as you might like. But, I mean, truth to tell, I've been very lucky in the musicals I've been able to do. I mean, The Lion King is a wonderful, beautiful piece of work, and that was a privilege to be a member. I mean, I've been privileged to be a member of every show I've ever been in. But if I had my choice, I I would always love to do a, a new play or Shakespeare. One thing about doing The Lion King is it keeps you out of Hollywood 
I mean, that's a day job for most actors doing guest shots on television because it's where the money is. But for you, did you feel any restraint by doing the same show that long? Professionally? Yeah. Well, it does take you out of circulation, but I never cared about it making me unavailable for TV and movie work. Uh, that was never my thing. My feeling is that I sort of ignored Hollywood and they did the same to me. <laughs> but it did limit my opportunities to do other shows. You do feel a little bit like you've left the business for a while. Um, after the first few years, people just sort of forget that you still exist. And it's taken me a while to sort of get back into the, the swing of the business. But the trade-off was I was able to raise a family and send my daughter through college without taking out any loans. And I traded, what I say is I traded my knee cartilage for my daughter's college education. You're a working actor. That's rare. <laughs> it is. And I am one of the luckiest people in show business. Sunset Boulevard, was that show the most opulent show you'd ever been in? I would say no, actually. Really? What that show had was it had the most amazing, moving piece of scenery that I've ever experienced. It was basically an entire mansion that rose into the air and could move forward and back. And it was terrifying to be underneath it because it would crush you if it fell. We had one performance where some tiny little switch on a computer somewhere got flicked the wrong way and no one could figure out why, but the house wouldn't move. And we all like waited and waited and showed time for the show to start and we still couldn't start. And about a half hour in and the audience had been sitting there all this time, the stage manager called us together and said, all right, we have an idea. We think it's going to be great. We're going to do the show with folding chairs just like we did in the rehearsal room. And Glenn Close sort of <clears throat> cleared her throat and said, Peter, do you really think that's a good idea? <laughs> and five minutes later, you heard, ladies and gentlemen, we're sorry. We'll have to cancel this evening's performance due to mechanical difficulties. Is this show, uh, is Head Over Heels got a lot of mechanical stuff then? This show, actually it does, but it's deceptive because what's the complex things about this show are the lighting and the projections. We're using projections in a way that I've never seen used before. Our set is beautifully painted and, and somehow computer printed and everything, but... They project things on it in a way that makes the set look almost like three-dimensional, and it's constantly changing. And it's really sort of astonishing what, what they can do. Have you done a tech rehearsal then? We've started techs, but we, we're <laughs> only about a, 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 an eighth of the way through the first act. So, How long does it take you to get off book? It depends from show to show. This show, I did so many readings of. I was almost off book when we started. But normally... I find that the first time you get on your feet to block a scene is when you really start getting off book because your memory works much better if you have a physical motion to put to it. So you can sit at home and read the lines as many times as you want, and that helps. But I don't really memorize them until we're up on our feet and blocking it, and then it starts to come pretty easily. Had you always wanted to be an actor? Did you suddenly get on stage in college? I was on stage in high school, and I'm one of those people that was sort of not popular until I started acting, and then it was like everyone thought I was great. So 
even then I thought, I'm not going to do this for a living. I was going to be an orthodontist. And then I went to Cornell and I was going to go to orthodontry school. But my first classes that I went to, I went to a, a calculus class and immediately dropped it because it was incomprehensible. I, I had the chance to sign up for organic chemistry and I said, maybe not this semester. And I ended up signing up for acting 101, creative writing, physics for poets, and French. And then I auditioned for all the shows at Cornell and got in a bunch of shows. And a friend of mine was going to the Juilliard School at that time. And she said, why don't you come sleep on my couch and audition? So I didn't tell my parents. And I went to New York and I auditioned. And when the acceptance letter came to my mother, the first thing she did was cry. Then she called the school and talked to the administrator, who has been a friend of mine ever since, and said, I want you to rescind your acceptance of my son. You're ruining his life. And they said, I'm sorry, we can't do that. And so that's why I became an actor. Where were you from? Where were you born? Canton, Ohio, home of the Football Hall of Fame. And then you came to New York. And, mm -hmm. of course, coming to New York when you're a kid changes everything. Yeah. I was 19 when I moved to New York and I had to get my own apartment. They didn't have dorms at Juilliard. I've been living there ever since. I went out to L.A. briefly to do a sitcom and to kick around for a while and then right back to New York. What was the sitcom? It was Look Who's Talking, the TV sitcom version. Uh, actually, it was called Baby Talk. It was the TV version of the movie Look Who's Talking that John Travolta and Kirstie Alley did. And it starred George Clooney. George Clooney before he was George Clooney. That's right. <laughs> I worked with a lot of people who were famous later. Is that weird for you that you know your friends suddenly become superstars and you see them all over? No, I think it's great. I love when my friends do well, and I've been lucky because I, I went to school with so many talented people, and so many of them have done so beautifully. I, I love keeping in touch with them, hearing what they're doing. When a show pulls together, I once spoke, did an interview with Carol Channing. What Carol Channing said to me was that on the shows that were hits, Hello, Dolly, Gentlemen, Prefer Blonde, she said this one point where it all pulls together and they know. And I've talked to other actors who say, nah. And what's your no, view? No, I agree with Carol Channing. Lion King is an example. There was a point at which we all just went, this is going to change theater history. And it did. Jerome Robbins, I mean, we rehearsed that for six months, but it was an amazing experience the whole time. And we all knew we were in something really special. And... I've been in shows that were just the opposite, that we knew pretty quickly that it was going nowhere. This is one of the ones that I think we all feel like this is a very special show. We can't wait to get an audience and see what it's all about. And you won't know until there's an audience? Sometimes you can tell, and I would say we all feel like it's special. But you don't really know. Sometimes there's even a show that's special that an audience doesn't connect to the way you think they will. I think in this case, I don't think there's any question that this show is, is going to be wonderful and that people are going to love it. Which may or may not mean it succeeds because Groundhog Day got the reviews and didn't. I know. The theater is a crazy business. I mean, they say you can, you can make a killing in the theater, but you can't make a living because it's just completely unpredictable and it's boom or bust. But I think they've done everything right. And you couldn't get a better cast, and I love the show, and 
I think when we get an audience in here, the energy is just going to be through the roof. 